on a whim, he recorded us singing uh, this crazy song, and it actually went to radio stations in the area uh, locally. So, <laughs> <laughs> to tell us the name of the song. Okay, do not laugh, but it, it, we were 10, so it was called Those Old Fashioned Parents. Curated, a designer podcast. Today we have Terry Canada with Evoke Studio. It's been a few years since we spoke, since we since I helped you with your space. Yes. Uh, do you remember <laughs> the open house, getting you guys ready? And so uh, super excited to learn more about your, your background, um, why architecture, and how you became the boss lady that you are. So with that said, we'll, we'll kick it off. Well, thank All you. All right. All right. Well, um, so I'm Ann Bradley. Um, nice to meet you, Terry. I, like I said, I've the great things about you. I am an interior designer. Um, so what did you have for breakfast? <laughs> um, so lately I've been trying to get on a health kick and I've been eating oatmeal and fruit and I have stuck to it. Um, so I'm trying to get healthy and I think that's, <laughs> that's going to help me do it. Uh, um, but I used to have bagels and all of that. And so, um, but I think the oatmeal is great right now yeah um, it's a different a change of pace and uh so yeah no, that's me it yeah. sounds boring but <laughs> no, it's, I had a banana I mean I'm on it I'm trying to do this health thing too and I've been doing Weight yeah. Watchers and I've lost 20 pounds oh, wow. but, but oh, awesome oh. that's great <laughs> you guys are gonna convert me but I, the bagel and cream cheese is just easy yes it is and it's delicious but I miss it <laughs> same here <laughs> so so awful you know a little bit off script so where are you from Terry from Greensboro North okay. Carolina Road so I didn't go far um it's so funny because I've always uh, dreamed of going to the big city and making it big there <laughs> but it seems like every opportunity um that has come my way has been right here in North Carolina so um Went to NC State um, at the time it was called the School of Design. Um, went through and got my um, uh, degree in architecture, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, stayed in the area during the time uh, that I graduated. It was in 1996, and there was a huge recession. Yep. No one was hiring. Yep. But I was able to find a, a job at a firm in Durham. And they did a lot of work for Duke, which meant architecture. Yep. And they were able to stay in business during that time. So I've told the story a lot, but, you know, that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to go into, but I learned so much about uh, client interaction. Um, mm -hmm. I learned so much about managing projects. And so I spent 10 years with that firm and um, was able to get a lot of my skills ready and, and together so that I'd be prepared for many opportunities that would come later. So yeah. I would, you know, if there are um, things like that that pop up and you're in a specific or different situation than you thought you would be when you graduate or when you get out into the workforce. Um, look at look at it as a way to develop certain skills, even if it's not mm -hmm. your dream job yet, um, yeah. because it really, you know, um, did mold me into who I am today. So that's great. Want to be an architect when you were little? Was that what you wanted to be? Actually, uh, the funny thing is, and I just told the story this morning, um, I was presenting to great um, uh, students today that wanted to know more about architecture. Um, when I was young, um, it, I grew up in the 70s, and right around that time was when a lot of bus happening uh, in full-on integration. Yeah. And I was bused to several different schools. And uh, one of the schools that really had an impact on me uh, was a school that was a small school, but they had built an addition to the back. And that's where I 
um, where my class was. And it was more of a collaborative learning space, multiple classes in one space. And um, it was just an exciting space. And at the time, I didn't know why. As I grew up and understood that the architecture of the space really helped to shape me. Um, it was a two-story space. Mm-hmm. It had lots of windows out to the wooded area outside. It had a mezzanine that was like a play area. It was so cool. And then um, a clear story light window series of lights that sort of um, came in and let light into the middle of the space. And so, you know, I didn't understand what it was back then, but as I got older, I understand the impact that architecture could have on a person. And, you know, my life could have gone in a totally different direction, but because I experienced that space and did so well in that environment, you know, I just, I understood that that could be life-changing. And so um, as I got older, I was able to go to different construction sites. I could uh, see architecture and, and get an understanding of it. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to get from point A to point B. So I was behind a lot of other folks that probably knew when they were very young what architecture was. Um, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I just didn't know what it was or what it was called. And so um, I just kept pushing, um, you know, kept figure, trying to figure things out. And by the time I got to high school, I was able to, uh, take the courses that were uh, would prepare me. Uh, I was already in, you know, into visual arts and performing arts. So I act, acted, I sang, I danced, <laughs> and um, I painted. So I was really interested in you know the arts anyway, and that was the design side. I just needed some of the technical uh, stuff to get me ready. Yeah, and prepared. So, yeah. <laughs> oh. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you bring up, you know, you didn't know what it was, but you knew you were passionate about it and there was something there. And I guess that correlates why you are heavy into mentorship and all the organizations you're a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, Very impressive. And one thing when I was doing some research is when you talked about, you know, school and at that time that you were one of five of the first African-American women to be a registered architect in North Carolina. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that blew me away too, because you would think it was, you know, the 60s or 70s when that happened, but no, and um, it's sad on one hand because, you know, that shouldn't be the case. Right. Um, But it is exciting also that you can be one of the the first. And so Mm -hmm. the five of us, I think, got together not too long ago, and then it became 10 and we got together. Um, So it's, there's this network of folks that understand the significance. And then nationally, I think we're above 200 now, we're closer to 300, oh. which is still a low number, but, you know, we're, we're all excited that we can be a part of that change. And watch it grow. Yeah, yeah grow. that's for yeah. sure. Oh, that's great. That's really great. So being a, a woman in this industry and just hearing about your journey and maybe some, some pitfalls or, you know, what were some challenges that you had to face? Um, you know, what would you encourage others, you know, uh, you kind of hit on that a little bit, but just kind of interested to hear more on that. Well, you know, that first challenge was understanding what architecture is. I think a lot of folks who grew up in uh, communities like I did that were, um, you know, minority communities or underserved, you know, need to be exposed to, you know, more professions or, or things that they're not exposed to right now. And if I had had the opportunity, I think I would have been more prepared when I finally got to the level that I could to, could actually go to architecture school. Um, and so that's why we are doing a lot of work with out, outreach in, to those communities and to uh, students just in general so that everybody can get an understanding of what architecture is. 
Um, but, you know, the challenges I faced in school, you know, I was one of only a few African American students um, in that program. And I know that uh, NC State is working very hard to change that right now. Um, in fact, I'm very impressed, especially with the numbers of women, it's more than 50%, um, but we still need more um, people of color, you know, more uh, representation there. And I think they're trying to improve that. Um, but just, you know, being not seeing many people that um, understood or celebrated my voice, it, it was a little difficult in school. Um, you know, if I thought one thing about something and someone else didn't have that same point of view, um, you know, it was, it was hard, but it's, it's, I'm not unlike every day where, you know, everyone is not going to love what you do. So <laughs> you have to figure that out. Um, I would say that uh, in, in the actual profession, coming out into the real world, um, I was one, the first firm I started at was one of only, uh, the, one of the only women architects in the office and the only African-American in the office. And instead of it being a challenge, like you would think, I think that firm, and I will mention their name, you can edit them out if you need to, Isley Hawkins really embraced me. They encouraged me. They pushed me to become licensed and really helped in my development. And so, you know, I am thankful for that experience. And I know that there are a lot of folks out there who don't have that, ex that experience. And uh, um, so you really have to stick to who you are, be true to yourself and just keep pushing um, as far as that's concerned. Um, later on in my career, um, I worked with more uh, diverse firms, I would say, the Freelon Group, as you know. Um, I worked there for almost 10 years and and uh, really got to see other folks that were doing great things. So I had Zena Howard to look up to. I had, um, of course, Phil Freelon and others that were there that I could say, wow, I want to be like them. You know, I want to do everything I can to you know, be like that, to raise myself up to that level. So it was amazing to be able to work in that environment. And that's where I met Billy and Edwin, my two partners. Uh, we all worked at the Freelon Group, worked on some amazing projects all across the country. Um, uh, Emancipation Park, the Center for Civil and Human Rights in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and all of us worked on the National Museum. Of mm -hmm. course, Zena led that um, in our office, and I broke off of that to work on the Center for Civil and Human Rights in Atlanta, but just being able to be exposed to that type of thing. I think I think my career was, you know, not the typical one, and, um, you know, there are people who will always, you know, look at you and say, you know, you're just, you're just a woman, what are you doing in this position? Or, you know, look at you and say, you don't know what you're doing, or, you know, second guess you or whatever. But you have to rise above that, I think, and push forward. And I'm not saying ignore it, you know, certainly handle it and address it. But don't let that stop you. Because, um, you know, they can see the power that's in you. And, you know, that may be intimidating sometimes, yeah. but that's not your problem. <laughs> you that's know? right. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. So that's my thought. So, so going back to some of this, if you were a hashtag, well, Oh goodness. That's <laughs> the one that got me. <laughs> okay. I want to, here's something funny. So I said, I took, I have a daughter, her name is Morgan. And, um, I said, what would you make a hashtag, hashtag for me? And she said, hashtag boring. <laughs> so, oh. so I said, hashtag arc mama, because I feel like I'm both sort of equally. And then hashtag focused, because right now I'm really focused on making sure that, you know, Evoke thrives and, and does well and, you know, exceeds everyone's expectations along with my two partners. Um, so I would say at this point, 
it'd be hush up focus. I think it changes though. As you go through your life, that's You're right. definitely going to change. Yeah. Well, I definitely agree with that. Like 17 hashtags. So it's, <laughs> it doesn't have to be one depending on the day. Right. Heels or flats. Okay. So that also changes. Uh, when I first started out, I loved wearing heels. I loved getting around wherever, but now flats are definitely the go-to uh, for, for me. Um, I will get the cutest flats that I can, but it's going to be flats. <laughs> just practically, just, you know, whatever. Uh, at this age, flats are, are going to work for me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, what do people not know about? Well, I think I mentioned this earlier, is that I was really into the performing arts, um, acting, singing, and dancing. Um, I let some of that dancing come out, you know, every once in a while. Uh, if there's a party or something like that, they can see what I can do. But, um, you know, I, I was, I acted in the theater. I, I went to theater, but I also was in, um, it was a play that went on to be a major production, but, um, but that experience of uh, working with a true director and, and everything else really was something amazing and, you know, really tapped into my artistic side. I would say that. Also, I recorded uh, an album when I was younger. Um, one of my best friends, stepdad, was a producer. And just on a whim, he recorded us singing uh, this crazy song. And it actually went to radio stations in the area uh, locally. What? So, what? <laughs> to tell is... us the name of the song. Okay. Yeah. Do not laugh, but it, it, we were 10. So it was called Those Old Fashioned Parents. He wrote the song, not us. Uh, and you can probably look it up and find it, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's pretty pretty crazy yeah it was about I don't know if you know Greensboro but it was about um there was this teen club uh called the depot and it was the old Greensboro um train station and they converted it into a I think 12 year old and up or something club and as a 10 year old all we wanted to do is go there so the song <laughs> was about about going there <laughs> and how the old-fashioned parents didn't want us to go so that's cute that's, that's, that's cute. A, a fact that you didn't know and also a very embarrassing fact so there you go <laughs> yeah I would never hesitate on the question again because that would definitely be something that catches people off guard like yeah. your recording artist who would yeah. have known that's that right. <laughs> oh and the name was TNT because my name was Terry and her name was Tanya <laughs> how corny can you get <laughs> TNT. TNT all right Dynamite. <laughs> Love that's it. awesome what's a misconception of you Okay, so just looking at me, I am sort of, uh, oh, I'm an introvert. So I did a study on myself uh, to find out uh, my personality traits, and I am an INTJ. And so I'm very, um, I won't say quiet, but I think about things a lot. I'm observant. And so I just sort of read the room. And people think that I am maybe unapproachable uh, because I'm not right away going out having you and, and talking to you. But once you get to know me, um, or, you know, once you come over and just sort of meet me, um, you can, you can find out who I am and realize that, you know, I'm an open book and I love to, you know, talk to folks, especially one-on-one, -on -one. but I, I would think most people see me and my, my, I'm focused on, you know, that, so that hashtag is really, uh, set for me, but, um, I'm so focused that I may not, I may miss out on, you know, how people perceive me and so, you know, may not be that friendly, but, but I am once you get to know me. So. <laughs> um, so what does it mean to be a woman today? Well, um, I feel like you can do anything. And I know that sounds cliche. Uh, I know there's issues that you need to tackle, but here's the thing. Um, 
when I was just sort of starting out um, my career, I lost my mother, who is my biggest supporter. And that sort of threw me for a loop. And I came back from that. And I was like, if I can do that, I can do anything. And then a couple of years later, I had my daughter. And I don't know if any, either of you have kids, but going through that process of, you know, from birth and having a, a young baby and then to where she is now is the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And to get beyond uh, the first few years, I was like, I can do anything. Nothing else is going to stop me because if I can get through that and the death of my mother, then everything else is just going to be easy from here on out, which is not. But I felt like that's when my career started. Um, when I first started working at the Freelon Group, I would say a couple of months after that was when my husband and I uh, found out we were expecting with my daughter. And at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I'm working at this fantastic company and I'm pregnant. You know, they're going to like put me on, you know, some little project over here. And then when I go away and never hear from them again uh, for maternity leave, but it was the opposite. Um, they were supportive. They were excited. And I was traveling all over the country, even while pregnant. And then when I left um, for maternity leave, after having my daughter for a few weeks, I got a call and they were like, hey, how are you doing? You know, we're excited to have you back. These are the projects that you'll be working on. I was like, wow, okay. And every month or so they would call with an update. And then one time they asked me to come in with the baby and we talked about the project. So I was ready to go when uh, I came back. But just that idea of they wanted me to be a part of the projects. They wanted they they were constantly thinking about how they could roll me back in mm -hmm. without missing a beat really helped me. And my career took off after that. I, I was thinking the whole time, hey, having a child is going to wreck my career. It was the complete opposite. And just knowing that my daughter is going to watch what I'm doing pushed me to say, I need to, to knock it out of the park because I want her to be proud of what I'm doing and understand, you know, that it's important to, you know, try to make sure that you have your life and have your, you know, your family at home but you, you're not going to sacrifice one for the other that you can do it all. Um, yeah. It's hard. You have to have a partner that is supportive, which I have, but um, that's why I feel like you can pretty much do everything that you want to do um, in this day and age and just don't let anyone stop you, you know, push forward, um, no excuses. And that could be another hashtag. I was going to say, I like that <laughs> as a hashtag. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that that's great, Terry. And I'm so I'm so glad, and I know we talked a little bit about this, I think, on the our first podcast, but I'm so glad that you work for a company that that embraced that because I feel like so many companies, unfortunately, I don't have children, but I've seen people, and it's it's unfortunate that some companies don't, and that does hinder women's careers, and we talked a little bit about how the pandemic is going to affect our industry so much because yeah. it is air quote, naturally easy for the woman to stay home. Right. And, you know, so we're just, you know, what it's going to do to our, to our field and all the women that we're going to lose. So anyway, I, well, I'm, go ahead, Danielle, sorry. Yeah, so it's, it's really inspiring to hear, you know, um, that you are a co-founder, a managing principal, uh, and a mom, because I'm a mom of three. And it, it really, I had that same you know, situation. It was actually when I found out I was pregnant with my twins. Oh, wow. um, I left one job on a Thursday. I started the next one on Monday and on a, the Saturday in between, I found out that I was pregnant and I'm like, how do I start? 
a new job, <laughs> knowing that I'm pregnant. And I remember meeting with the VP and he's filling me in and I'm yawning. <laughs> and I found out this man does not like to eat. And I am like, this is just not a good combination. Oh. And um, so I kept it. And then I found out that I was pregnant with twins. And I was like, I don't know how to tell them. And they said, we really want you to go to Neocon. We have selected you. And I was like, I just thank you for this honor. Cause they only sent like three people from the company. Um, since we have a showroom in Chicago and I was just like thank you so much but this whole time I'm like 16 weeks pregnant with these twins and it was just not an easy pregnancy and everyone that knows Neocon knows that that's not a fun experience yeah. not pregnant with two babies like <laughs> not there's a line for the bathroom there's no Stare. time to eat stairs stairs yeah everything wow. about it just sounded terrible and um so that's when I decided to break the news and they were extremely supportive and it kind of resonates with me Terry when you're talking because they said Okay, well, you're still going to Neocon. They didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I look at that and I'm like, thank you for not thinking that I was disabled. You know, right. that's yeah. where it, that it was like, thank you. And so I went and it was fine. And a lot of people found out I was pregnant that, that <laughs> there was no hiding it, you know. Um, but I just, I really appreciated their take on that and to understand that I could still do things and they wanted to just, you know, build me up and support me. But it was definitely that I was, you know, capable. Right, right. And that's so important. And I think that's the message here is that, you know, those that are in power running, you know, companies, they need to understand that, you know, number one, having a diverse workforce, no matter mm-hmm. what the makeup is, if it's, you know, pregnant women or, you know, whatever, that each idea, each, you know, each, each person brings something unique to the table and they're all valid and important. I think, you know, our two stories uh, reflect, you know, companies that were already doing it a while ago and more people need to have that same mindset to keep a strong, uh, diverse work- workforce. So that's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. So if you could have dinner with anyone in history, <laughs> who would it be? Okay, that one got me. I, I couldn't think of, you know, any one person. There were so many different people. Um, okay. I, knew, I know that Michelle Obama, you know, I am inspired by mm-hmm. her. Also excited about President Obama, you know, just knowing he's the, the well, as we know, the first African-American uh, president. I'm in love with Michelle Obama. Like, yeah. I just, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm in awe. Uh, just watching her and how she uh, approaches life, you know, I just, it's amazing. It it really is. And considering the role she had and I I just, I watched Becoming and cry the entire time. Mm -hmm. She's just so inspiring and just things I didn't know that she went through. I don't know. It was good. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. (laughs) No, that's fine. Do it. (laughs) I agree. To continue our theme of Women's History Month, we're highlighting a local industry woman who, with her husband, owns a new brewery in Wendell, North Carolina. Bearded Bee Brewery uses local ingredients and while supporting the local beekeepers, creates a fun and inviting place for the community to gather. They have a large tap room and beer garden and are open 3pm weekdays and 12pm on weekends. Go check them out! So on to if you ruled the world what would you make a law that everyone was paid what they're worth um you know everyone could have a seat at the table I don't know if those could be laws but those are just things that I would want to change I think there's so much um 
going on right now that, you know, is revealing that a lot of people haven't had that seat at the table and a lot of people have been left behind. And I think that's because there's a fear that if you let everybody in, then you're going to lose something. And that's untrue. I think it just makes everyone better when, you know, we have everyone at the table and it just makes it richer. It makes it, um, you know, just uh, better for everyone. And I, I feel like there's a hurdle because there's so much greed in our world yeah. that, that it's like, this is mine. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to do everything I can to keep it. Um, I don't know if a law could change that or one law could change that, but um, just, just trying to figure out how we can make communities uh, more equitable, access to things more equitable. Um, and I don't know what that law would be. So, yeah. I love that. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, to be more confident in your decisions, your ideas. I think everyone struggles in their early years with a you know, confidence level and what do they call it? The imposter syndrome and that sort of thing. Um, am I supposed to be here? And you learn as you go through that, yes, you're supposed to be here. And, you know, maybe there are some people who shouldn't be here, but um and how did they get there? But um, you don't know that until you go through some experiences and you go through and you learn how people operate and act. So, um, you know, I really wish I could shake myself and say, you got this, you know, you can do it and you're going to you know, kill it on the other end. But um, you go through a lot of yeah. self-doubt and um, just figuring things out. And that's everybody. So you're right. And that yeah. still it doesn't matter. <laughs> I feel like it's older, the older I get, it gets better, but there's always a sense, there's always a sense of doubt in some situations and I'm just like, okay. (laughs) I, I think about that when I first started, um, and worked at the first design firm, it was really interesting. I was always afraid to ask clarifying questions because I was like, should I already know this? And the the more experience you get, you realize it's like, no, ask the questions, get to the answer. There's a reason why you don't understand it. And that's something that, that missed the mark. My first job, I did not, I just felt inadequate, like, okay, I should already know this. I'm not going to. And a lot of the times that wasn't the case. People right. weren't there. Information was left out, you know, something wasn't translated. And so now it's like getting comfortable with realizing that questions are good. It's not a negative, you know, to get clarification but that's something I, I kick myself all the time I'm like if I would have just really you know sunk in deeper to understand things mm-hmm. and I like- think <laughs> well your your point resonates with me because I think sort of in those big meetings where you know you've got folks in there um you know who always want to sort of put themselves forward and you may not want to raise your hand or ask the question. And I realize now that, no, you need to put yourself out there too and make a, a statement or, you know, ask the question. And it just drives me crazy when I think back on how many times, you know, I thought maybe the question was stupid or, you know, that um, it wasn't going to offer anything to the, the conversation. And uh, later on, at the same firm in those same meetings, I realized that and I did speak up and I did ask those questions. And even if it was stupid, at least they knew where I was coming from. I, I don't think it was stupid, but I'm just saying, you know, yeah. even if I felt yeah. that way, um, you know, I was able to speak my voice. And, yeah, um, I definitely had a sense that, well, if the lead architect didn't say it, then it. it yeah, then what, yeah. That, that yeah was why, why would I ask that? That's, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I just, um, part of this 
NAOP program we did, we had Mayor Shule and Mayor Baldwin um, present a year later. We had them present literally a year ago, a week before the world changed and ended. But um, <laughs> so we had them come back and do a presentation today. And one of the things that Marianne said, um, uh, Mayor Baldwin was, you know, that she should, she le has learned in the last year to always go with her gut. And I thought that was really interesting because I feel like she's one of the most confident women I've ever met. And, you know, she's still learning and growing and, you know, like go with your gut. And it was a really good thing to say because she's, you know, you should, you should go with your gut because you know what you're doing. You have right. a place at the table and you should go for, go with your gut and speak your mind. So. That's right. Yeah. I, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Mayor Baldwin back when she was uh, with the Holt brothers. And mm -hmm. uh, she's, uh, like you said, very confident, fascinating woman. But I think uh, in one presentation, she mentioned how shy she used to be and how um, she didn't want to speak out and how she had to overcome that too. So it's, it's good yeah. to know that folks in those uh, high positions you know, have at one point in their life struggled with insecurity or, you know, issues with speaking out and yeah. she's really speaking out now, you know, yeah, she's she the mayor. <laughs> so it's, it's awesome. Is there anything, Terry, that you want to kind of share about your experience? We kind of hit on, you know, regrets or positive things, but anything you want to elaborate on? Or any advice that you would give young designers, architects, any women in our industry? Um, you know, I always want to encourage uh, young women to follow their uh, dreams and, uh, you know, do whatever it takes to get to that position that you want. Um, I will say this, uh, coming up through architecture, of course, I didn't have many role models uh, that looked like me. I had role models, uh, some men, some uh, actually uh, white men that supported as I came through because I, I was at a majority firm and I was the only one there. But when I was able to come to a place like the Freelon Group, and um, even though Zena and I were on different projects and we weren't sort of working together uh, for the most part, you know, I could at least see what she was doing and sort of, you know, say, hey, I want to be like that. I think it's important to, once you get to a certain point, um, to reach back and help to mentor younger um, folks because even though you don't think it's, it's important or as impactful, um, it really is because they can have a conversation with someone who's been through it. Um, you can sort of help, help guide their path through it. And, um, you know, it's not a waste of time. It is really, it will help you as well because you realize how far you've come and uh, you can help ease that path for someone else. Even though you had to struggle to get to where you are, you can help yeah. to ease that path and not make it so hard for someone else because that's what, you know, others do. They, they have been helping their folks along uh, you know, men, you know, have that sort of, we used to call it good old boys network or whatever, where, you know, they say, hey, let's go over here, talk about your career and how you can get to get from point A to point B. And as women, we need to, to do that as well. Um, I think, you know, we're strong, but our strength comes from, you know, networking and speaking with other folks who've been mm -hmm. through similar experiences. And so I, I would encourage everyone that is established to reach back. And I would encourage those young um, women to reach out to folks that they, you know, aspire to be or whatever. Um, it may be nerve wracking. You may be, um, you know, nervous about going to meet with them or even approach them. 
but they are also probably interested in helping you um, if you just make that first step. So yeah. um, I think we need to build those connections. Uh, we need to have groups that come together and strengthen uh, and build each other up. Um, I have started a sort of an ad hoc group where we just meet or we did before COVID mm -hmm. uh, for, for drinks or whatever, just to talk about, you know, um, our career paths. And this is designers, uh, interior designers, uh, architects, uh, com uh, contractors, people in that industry, everybody, similar to who you are, all are, and we just get together and just talk. And through those conversations, we begin to figure out how to work together. Um, you know, how we can have opportunities with one another um, and really, you know, just build a future where women are just killing it in this industry. And so I think what you guys are doing is awesome. I did listen to your um, first podcast last night. I wasn't able to uh, finish it because I had another meeting to go to, but um, just the, um, the items that you discussed, even though it wasn't necessarily about you know, design, it was about what's happening in the world today. I think that's important. And, um, you know, I'll be listening uh, to see what you guys are up to in the future. Um, I think more women should join up with this podcast and listen and um, maybe make connections through it. I don't know if there's a way to set up um, something that people can start connecting directly with each other. Um, you know, if they hear something that they like, reach out to the person that they heard, or, you know, if there's, you know, just a I know that there's a Facebook group of designers or women in architecture, that sort of thing, but something like this where we, we can grab more, more women that are in the industry and just have conversations. I think it's amazing. That is the goal of this. And you just, I'm getting so emotional again. What's wrong with me today? But <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm doing that to you. Darren's <laughs> making me cry. No, but um, that's exactly the goal. And that's why we're doing it. We, we want to inspire fire and power this is this is so great so uh, you're just you've that made my day so oh I'm glad <laughs> I can make your day <laughs> well we just Happy to help we just want we it's important and I'm sorry for my mother called me last night I told Danielle this and I don't think Dina and Haley know this but my mom called me she's like I listened to the podcast and I really liked it but you cuss too much and you need to stop <laughs> it and I'm like oh so I don't know so no, I'm sorry. Okay. Hopefully it wasn't offensive. It was not. And I, I tell you that just sort of relaxes folks and allows them to be themselves and really open up and listen to what you have to say. Um, I don't curse a lot. That's just me, but I don't mind it. And, uh, you know, I think being yourself and showing who you are, your true colors, um, is really going to attract a lot of people. So, yeah. okay. I'll tell my mom that. <laughs> that was my takeaway from the episode. I'm like, wow, I got that twang that I don't really I love know it. that too. I love it. I, love it. <laughs> I do have a question. I'm real curious. Um, so what, and, and, and so what inspired you to start your own firm? Mm -hmm. If That's you're okay to talk about that. Sure, sure. Okay. No. So, um, of course, when we were with the Freelon Group, uh, we worked on some amazing projects all over the country that were really about celebrating the history and culture of certain people mm -hmm. um, that we were, you know, that were our clients. And so um, Emancipation Park in Houston was a project that I worked on and Edwin worked on for over seven years, <laughs> flying back and forth to Houston. And a lot of that time, it was just me and Edwin or just me flying out there. And uh, really getting to know the clients and really getting to know the folks out in Houston. And so we were running the project. 
Um, and that was because, you know, Emancipation Park, if you look at the grand scheme of things, there was the National Museum. I was also working on the Center for Civil and Human Rights. So Emancipation Park at the time was not the biggest pro uh, project in the office and no one was like trying to jump on it. But uh, it became this spectacular project and got national recognition. We were written up in several magazines. It has won several awards. And um, at the end of that process, uh, Edwin and I looked at ourselves and we were like, okay, if we can do this, you know, under the umbrella of, you know, the Freelon Group, but we're actually running it, we could do that ourselves. Um, not too long uh, after we had those thoughts, uh, Perkins and Will um, purchased the Freelon Group. And they started to become, you know, a different firm. They were still yeah. highlighting culture and all that, but they were also doing a lot of healthcare. And so, um, you know, Billy, Edwin, and I decided, hey, we want to continue that Freelon legacy. And yeah. starting Evoke helped to do that. And as we all know, um, Phil Freeland passed away a couple of years ago, which yeah. was a great loss to the architectural community and Indeed. just the community in Durham in general. So we are happy to continue that legacy as Evoke. Um, you know, Perkins Will is doing their thing and also doing um, some work that um, celebrates Phil's legacy. Yeah. Um, but we just felt like that's the approach we wanted to take. And so we decided to do it on our own. And it's amazing that we had so much support from the community. They um, rallied around us. When we opened, we could barely have everybody in the space because it was so many people there. And then after that, you know, work picked up and we were able to, um, you know, based on word of mouth, based on past relationships, build up a clientele that now today we have, um, you know, we have two large school projects starting. We have three projects at North Carolina Central, two projects at North Carolina A&T, one project at Duke. So we're like everywhere. And just these, you know, folks that came together uh, <laughs> out of, uh, you know, nothing really in our experience from Freelon and Perkins and Will to create Evoke. It's, it's like, we can't even believe our success ourselves, but uh, we're grateful to our clients and everybody that has helped us over the years. So that's a beautiful story. I, that's really great. I didn't know that. Oh, thank you for sharing. Yes. yes. That was great. I swear to Harry, I feel like we've crossed paths before. I don't know how yeah. we've not met. Um, we may have. Uh, we, I, I don't know. Um, Anna March is a good friend of mine um, with Perkins and Will. Yeah. And, um, and anyway, I just, and I graduated from NC State in 1995. Ah, so you, were you in the school of design as well? No, no. I wasn't. Okay. My first degree is in French language and literature. Okay. Well, I was there. You were there. So yeah. we might have crossed paths. We might have, I don't know. I just school, feel like. Though. Oh, God, I know. Yeah. What dorm did you live in your freshman year? Uh, Carol. I was in Bowen. Bowen, okay. <laughs> yeah. Across the way. Yeah. Ooh, it, was hot. it was hot back then. Remember, hot, they didn't have no air. air. Oh, it was awful. Mm -hmm. Danielle, you no AC. I was on the sixth floor of Bowen Hall. There was It was awful. <laughs> no, I, the train at night. Going by oh, oh, God, yeah. Early I morning. forgot about that. Yeah. That was, well, and you know Meredith. So I went to Meredith College. Mm -hmm. So it was so funny because all my state friends would come over and be like, what? is this this you are living in the Taj Mahal here yeah lap of luxury visit their dorm I'm like I'll have to share bathrooms yeah it was six I share a bathroom with five other women six mm -hmm. other women I was and in a suite was so small oh I know Tanya and I would like we could like almost touch I mean I'm little mm -hmm. touch like wall to wall it I was remember. awful it was awful but we lived through it we, it was you know what you're right it was a lot of fun. I loved it where the women we are today 
yes is a part of the struggle <laughs> that's right so yeah um, it always trips me out when I go over there and you know see all the air conditioning uh, air conditioned rooms and you know newly renovated cable in the rooms it's like yeah. what, what do, we didn't have anything we were, no we yeah. didn't yeah. my uh funny story my roommate Tanya and I we would um typically we would hang something on the door I don't remember what it was it was like a plaque so we would know if someone was they would like okay for example I would do my homework in my bra and underwear because it was so hot so if Tanya had like someone with her and I had something on the door she knew that you know to knock so I could get my robe on because it was that hot y'all it was right. miserable well and it's inconsistent too it's not like it, that was just in the you know spring months it's like you never know in North Carolina what the weather's going to be no so. And I made the lottery to be in the dorm the next year, my sophomore year. And I lied to my parents and told them, I was like, I haven't gotten a call. I have no idea. <laughs> so you got an apartment off campus? Yeah, we lived year. on Champ, uh, Champion Court um, the first year. And then I feel like I've lived all over. I lived My last year, I lived on Horn Street, like in a little apartment back behind what was Manhattan Bagel at the time, if you remember that. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good times. Yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was it was great. I really enjoyed it. I loved getting to know you, and this this was just great. Well, thank you. It's so uh, nice to meet everyone on here, and Danielle, good to see you again. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, how, what made you decide on me? Like, who? push that name forward or did you just sort of say hey let's reach out to terry miss danielle okay. <laughs> we want to thank you danielle <laughs> yeah no absolutely you came in mind and like i said i know it's been some time since we met but i was thoroughly impressed and um love your work and it just you popped in my head when we thought about boss ladies i mean that's kind of where the framework we're like who in the industry you know, is doing things and, and, you know, leading organizations and just thinking about that journey and how interesting that would be to learn more. And, you know, I, I never heard all of this. I never knew everything, even though we had communicated. Right. Um, so we all kind of just started throwing names out there. And we were just so thrilled when you wrote back and said that you would participate. We're like, wow, we're on to something. This kind of came out of nowhere and had the idea. And it was just really interesting how things have come together and the content has just been brilliant. Like, thank you so much for yeah participating and making it what it is um, thank you and thank you for having me thank you for thinking of me um you know I appreciate uh any chance to you know speak because you know my voice is uh, usually not represented um you guys are representing women well so I appreciate that as well thank you guys again thank I appreciate you. it thank you thank you Terry have a good rest of your day you too oh, jinx man <laughs> <laughs> all right bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.